Hey, this is Wilson, pastor at God's house. I pray that this podcast would inspire you to know that God loves you and that that knowledge would help you gain a new confidence in your walk with him. My deepest desire is that you may have a God moment in this episode. Enjoy. I know I have been quiet for a while. Um, I have just been so busy. We've been so busy at the church getting things done and just going through um, a bunch of changes and having to lead through all that. So it has been quite a lot. Um, I really wanted to go a different way with the podcast instead of just giving you what's going on at church to really make it more meaningful and to make it more personal because I really do think that that's, that's more helpful. Well, at least that's my perspective on it. But nonetheless, um, I have decided that it would be uh, wisdom and it would be helpful to you as well. If we went through the book of Galatians together, why, why don't we just do that? I mean, uh, you've probably heard enough preaching in your life and I think that uh, doing consistent and meaningful Bible study with each other is, is really useful. And so I am just going to unedited, just go through the book of Galatians with you, which is actually kind of cool because that way I don't have to um, it's not so much work. I, I just go through with you what I've been reading and, and just what I've been uh, interacting with the scripture and finding out from God. And I really think that the book of Galatians is important. It, it really is important because it outlines some things that that should be fundamental in our Christian faith. And sometimes they are not as fundamental as uh, we would like for them to be. You know, we still we still struggle a lot with with uh, inconsistencies in our belief systems, inconsistencies with with uh, the way we understand faith, salvation, works, all these things involved. Um, and we struggle to receive forgiveness from God, really because uh, primarily because of how we understand the gospel. And what we understand of the gospel, I've come to notice this. It's not the same. Uh, I may see the gospel a certain way, but it doesn't mean that you see the gospel that way. It just means that I have my own perspective, you have your own perspective. But the book of Galatians and what Paul does in Galatians is that he does not give us room for that, which I kind of love. He does not give us room for personal interpretation. You know, some people say, well, this is, this is, what, this is what I think the gospel is to me. No, in fact... Uh, Paul makes really strong statements about that. And so I really think that if we are to understand what Scripture says here, that it will really transform us. It has transformed me, man. I know it will transform you. All right. So uh, why don't you just sit with me for a while or while you're doing something or you're hanging around or you're driving or wherever you are, um, I'm going to be just be speaking Galatians to you. And I hope that you don't mind with that or... Um, and, and really, I think, and the reason I'm going this way, let me explain myself a little bit further. I think sometimes we start from our starting points with scripture. In other words, I come to the Bible to look for answers for a certain thing. And I don't think that that is wrong. In fact, I think that life should lead us to go seek what God wants to say about it. But I think that sometimes, all too often, uh, what we do is that we're just looking for something, and because we look for that one particular thing, we think we need to be hearing uh, God's word on that, and really, maybe God wants to say something different to us. Maybe God 
God isn't um, trying to follow our needs as much. And so, in other words, um, you know, Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He says, he says that people will heap up teachers for themselves uh, just because teachers who will say what they want to hear. And that's really important, and, and that's really fundamental uh, because what Paul is telling us is that these people come to the Word of God with an agenda. And like I said, I'm, I, I'm a topical preacher oftentimes, and, and I will take time just starting with, you know, uh, here's what God says about this. And that's important. It has value. It really does have value. But I think there's more value in going to the scriptures as they are and realizing what God has to say. I'm really concerned about the famine that we have, uh, especially in our Protestant charismatics uh, movement, in our circles, uh, where we call ourselves word people. Isn't it? We call ourselves word people. But really what we mean by that, it's not that we're people that are reading the Bible consistently and every day. It just simply means that we are people that listen to a lot of sermons. Uh, you would, if you are in the same circles, I mean, you know that this is true. And when people say that we are word people, they just mean that we are people that listen to a lot of sermons. And, and really that's concerning. Uh, and it shows that something is fundamentally wrong. And, and I really do think that there is, there's room for finding out what the Bible has to say about something. But I think our primary interaction with scripture should be to hear what scripture has to say. And then from there, we can springboard to the development of values around certain um, topics and around certain things that we believe that God is saying. So uh, all that to start and say, this is why I want to just dive through uh, the book of Galatians with you. It will be a few, of podca a few podcasts. It won't be one. It will be a few of them. And so today we're just going to start. I'm going to do a bit of a background. Uh, it's not much of Galatians. And then we're going to just probably go here uh, on the first six verses or so. And then we'll see if we can go beyond the six verses. So here goes. Um, so Paul in the book of Galatians is addressing a church or a group of churches rather that he has planted. And it's, it's a group uh, in somewhere in Asia Minor uh, where it's currently known. Uh, to be France, I think. I think currently now it's France. And it included at that time like your Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, um, and, and really, of course, there's kind of dispute of where uh, actually this Galatian territory was. But there's the northern one, there's the southern one. But hey, it doesn't matter. All we know is that Paul is speaking to churches he planted. Uh, in this particular area, where it speaks like in Acts 13 and in Acts 14, Paul's doing this work in this region of Galatia, and he gave them the gospel. But now at this point, the, the Galatian churches were, were going through some troubles, and the troubles they were going through was that certain people, uh, which we will call Judaizers, they would come in and they would say, well, you guys... Uh, we know you're Christians. We know that you've given your life to Jesus. But Christianity started with Judaism. And so you can't say you're Christian until you are actually fully a Jew. You can't say that you follow Christ while, in fact, 
uh, honestly, you, you, you're not circumcised. You know, you, you, you haven't started first as a Jew. And to these people, it made sense in this way because they, they, were, they were Jews first and then Christians. Now they were struggling with Gentiles, and anybody Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew, right? And these people who are not Jews, Greeks coming in, and a Greek is coming just as he is, and he's saying he's Christian, but he's never been a Jew first. He's never followed the law. He, he's never been anything close to Jewish. And so they're looking at them and they're going, no, 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 something's wrong here. Something is incomplete. And so they're coming to these guys and they're saying to them, you have to follow the law. Now the law, that's one thing that we first have to describe completely before we even begin, because this is where we get lost. You know, sometimes uh, to a lot of people, they say, well, the law is just a list of rules and regulations. Yeah, but it's, it's a bit more than that. It's a bit more than that. And once you realize what the law is, then you will actually uh, understand and Galatians will have more of an impact to you. But if you see the law of Moses as something archaic, something historic, something far away from you, you actually won't get what the, what the entire dispute here was. And, and what the dispute was these guys had to, they were saved by grace completely by God's grace. This is uh, saved by God's unmerited favor. Unmerited, that, that may seem like a big word, but it means unearned. In other words, there's nothing you could have done to earn or to merit that, right? There's nothing you could have done to merit that particular favor or that particular uh, kindness or, or act from God. You, there's nothing you could have done. So that's what grace means. It, it means that you couldn't have earned it. And then there's also a second part, which, which these guys, what they were talking about was basically the law, that you had to follow certain aspects of the law, that, yeah, but now that you've received grace, you, you, you can't just completely throw away the law. And when we think about that again, when we think about the law, we think about this, uh, the rules and regulations that Moses gave, right? We're like, yeah, that's the law. You shall, you shall um, give the Lord a grain offering. We're thinking about things like that. We're thinking you shall give the Lord a grain offering. We're thinking you shall um, you shall not uh, eat an unclean animal. Th those are the type of laws we're thinking about. And of course, it does include that. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely includes that. But that's not the fullness and the entirety of the law. And it is that aspect of the law, which is good, that Paul says is good that actually gets these guys in trouble. In other words, they weren't actually trying to get them to even do all the law. They were trying to get them to do parts of the law. For example, get circumcised. In other words, say that you are in covenant with God as a Jew. First become a Jew, and then you can become a Christian. They, they, they weren't actually saying they should have ritual sacrifices. They were picking. They were picking certain things and saying, these ones, these ones should stay, these ones should go. And they were struggling with these things. And for, let, let me give you an idea of what other aspects of the law is. It's the Ten Commandments. It's the Ten Commandments, which is you shall not kill, you shall not. All these things, these are the law. And this is why Paul looks at the law and says the law was good 
But he says that the law was incomplete and it could not save us. He says this, of course, in the book of Romans. That if, and Hebrews says that if the covenant, which is the law, came in first and had the power to save us, then there was no need for a second covenant. And that, that's what the writer of Hebrews says there. He says, there was no need for a second covenant if the law was good enough. So this whole idea that the law is just a list of rules and regulations is right, but it's incomplete. What it means, the law was your way of pleasing God in the old covenant. Seriously. Your, the law was what you needed to do for God to be pleased with you. Think about that. That's huge. That is, that is a list of how to be pleasing to God? Wow. And Paul takes and takes a look at this thing and he says, now that's done away with. Man, you, you, you better have some serious reason for saying that. Because for us, the law is something removed. It's put far away. It's like, it's like, uh, it's archaic. But to these guys, this is what the law of the nation of Israel was. In other words, if you, if you contravene the law of God, you were against the law of the nation. So it wasn't just something far in a cake in a way. And of course, these, uh, what we're talking about is, is, uh, is not churches in, um, in Israel, but we're talking about churches, of course, in like Asia Minor. But nonetheless, uh, this was a big deal to the Judaizers who were telling them that you have to, <laughs> you have to obey the law. You see, our aspect of the law if we think that the law was just unnecessary regulations, is that we will miss the whole point of what the book of Galatians is. Because the law was more than that. It definitely was more than that. It was how to have a pleasing and a good relationship between you and God. How to please God in your life. That, that's, that's, that's what the law was. It was a list of regulations of how you can come to God and act right before him. How to be right before God. That's the best way of putting it. How to be right before God was revealed as through the law in the Old Covenant. And so if you think about that and you think about those words, as I'm saying that as a Christian right now, you're probably thinking, yeah, I mean, yeah, th this is important. Yeah. And so what Paul comes in is he comes in and when he talks about the law is he talks about works, good works, not bad works. Not bad works. That's where we get it wrong. Or not meaningless works. He's talking about good works. And that's where, now, when you look at that and you say, wait a minute. So he's talking about good works. And he's saying that we're not getting right with God by good works. It's like, whoa, 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 Paul. Now, now you're going crazy. And I, you, you're just stretching this beyond where it should go. And the truth is, no, Paul got the understanding and he knew what it meant that we were saved by grace. So this is what the whole book is about. And, and Paul, uh, his strong statements here, he's not just saying, guys, no, you know, I'm, 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 good works are good, but, but you know, they're, they're, they'll make you right before God just a little bit. No, no, Paul comes in and he is strong. He is so strong in the next few verses, you will get how strong he is. He's very strong saying, you cannot be made right with God by your good works. Literally, he makes such a big statement about that. 
And I think until we hear it and hear what he is trying to say, then we don't appreciate it. Because if we have the law only as a concept, instead of understanding that it is the good works that we do, um, then we, we tend to get lost. And we tend to miss what the fight and the argument was really about. So I think I got you caught up. So let's start first. Galatians 1.1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. And what he does here is he starts first. He's doing this quite strongly. Uh, this entire book is quite strongly worded. And he starts this this way, saying that, guys, I'm an apostle, but I'm not an apostle that was appointed by a guy. I'm an apostle that was appointed by Jesus Christ himself uh, and God the Father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, what I have to say to you comes from the highest authority ever. And I am about to strongly speak to you, not as just Paul, but I'm going to speak to you as somebody sent, not by men, but sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father to you. And, and you better listen because this is important. You better pay attention because this is important. And, and he says this, verse 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and, the, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he has greeted them. And then he goes on. And even in his greeting, he is already kind of already telling you a few things. One, he's telling you that I'm not speaking on my own authority. I am speaking as a man sent from God. I am speaking as a man sent by Jesus Christ. I carry the message of Christ to you. And this message, he goes on in length in chapter one and chapter two. You will see as we go through it, that he's trying to tell them that I didn't send myself, that the message that I have it wasn't preached to me by other apostles that um, even though I didn't walk with Jesus while he was here, but Jesus actually by revelation revealed this gospel to me. And so he is not telling them, guys, that, you know, I'm about to tell you something, but that I learned from the apostles who actually walked with Jesus. No, he says, I'm about to tell you something that I learned from God personally. God revealed this to me. Jesus revealed this to me. It comes from his mouth, not just from mine. And also what he does in verse 4, he says, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age? He's already telling you uh, what he's getting at. In other words, that it is Jesus who gave himself for our sins. And that is the only sacrifice we need to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God uh, and Father, our, the will of our God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 6, he says, I am amazed. Shoot, that's, that's quite something. I mean, right at the beginning, he's like, I'm surprised. He, he gets done with the pleasantries and immediately he gets quite stern and incredibly stern. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ. Now you see what he's saying right there. Right there, he starts. He's, he, he's not mincing words. He doesn't go here and then there. No, he starts right at the beginning. And he says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. 
And he qualifies his statement when he says a different gospel because gospel, it, it means good news. And he says, no, 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 don't, 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 don't get it wrong. I'm not saying that there is another gospel. That's what he says. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary, listen to that, a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he says, a curse be on him. As we have said before, and I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you, he repeats what he has just said. He's not saying, I'm not mincing words. I, I, didn't, I didn't make a mistake by saying a curse be on him, anathema be on him. He says, I'm not mincing words, guys. As I've said before, I now say this again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. In other words, what Paul is making here, he's making very clear, incredibly clear, without any ambiguity at all, he is saying that, I have given you the gospel, and that gospel is the gospel of grace, the grace of Christ, called by the grace of Christ. And he says, and you're turning to something else. You're turning to works. And he says that, not that works is any other uh, different gospel, but what he says here is that many are trying to distort the gospel of Christ. So what Paul is guarding against here is distortion. For most people, the issue is not that the gospel we haven't heard. No, that's not what the issue is. The issue is the distortion of the gospel. And even with Paul here, the curse is pronounced not on the people who have never heard the gospel of Christ. No, the curse is pronounced on the people who are distorting the gospel of Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying, he is saying that you can't come to me and say, this is the way I understand it, Paul. And I can come to you and say, this is the way I understand the gospel. He says, no, there's only one. There's only one. And he who is distorting the gospel, he who is not preaching the thing I preach to you, he says, a curse be on him. He is so confident that the gospel that he received by revelation, he received from Christ, and that anyone else that preaches anything that's a distortion that's a distortion, not even, something, not, not even something that's totally against, but that's a distortion of that gospel. He says that curse, a curse be on him. And let me tell you something. We may be thinking of good works and saying, well, they're good works. That's why they're called good works, isn't it? It's works that are good. Why, why do we have problem with good works? No one has problems with good works. But if you think that the way to be saved before God is those good works? Is that law? Then Paul looks at you and he says, man, you have misunderstood this. You are distorting what the gospel is about. And he pronounces an anathema. He pronounces an anathema. Paul rarely does this. Paul rarely does this at all. In fact, if anything, Paul most times he is just laying doctrine, uh, word upon word, precept upon precept, right? He, he's really just doing that. And, and he spends most of his letters doing that. He will be strong against sin. He's always strong against sin. Even in this letter, he's strong against sin. We will see that in chapter five. But what he is doing here, he's incredibly strong now on the gospel itself because the distortion of the gospel is to lose the gospel in its own self. And then he says, as you have said before, I say now again, if anyone is preaching to you a contrary gospel to what you have received, he says, a curse be on him. And he actually defends himself and he says, 
for am I now trying to persuade people or God? In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to be diplomatic. I am not going to try to get people to like me in what I'm going to say. No, guys, I am going to be quite clear with this. And he says, I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care. And he says, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so, I mean, in this approach to the gospel, in this approach to what Galatians is all about, I want us to have the same idea and have the same thing. I need to know what the gospel is. Honestly, I do. Because if I am preaching anything contrary, that means a curse beyond me. Man, that means I need to look into the word of God and say, whoa, 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 what is the gospel? Figure out what the gospel is so that I can actually preach it right, right? And so that I can actually lead people in the right way. And you also want the gospel because he says there is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. Anything that is distorted from the real gospel is not the gospel. He says that's not the, that's not the good news. So what is the good news? And that is what. Paul goes to lengths and pains to do here. And of course, the good news that he's talking about is that you are saved by grace with no effort of your own, that you are saved completely by the effort of Christ, completely by the merits of Christ and no merit of your own, that you are saved simply because God said uh, he sent Jesus and Jesus paid the price for your sin. You see, in other words, what this gospel is saying is that, or what Paul is preaching here, is that Jesus died and Jesus' death is enough, is enough for all your forgiveness. There's no penance needed. There is no, uh, there's nothing that you have to do to gain and gather that forgiveness from God. There's nothing you have to do. It's entirely by the merits of Christ alone. And until you get to that point where you say, you know what, I'm saved. I'm saved by grace alone by grace alone, by faith alone. It, has, it is no doing of mine. Until you get there, you are having a distorted gospel. Until you feel like the only way, the only way I can be right with God is not by my own actions. No, that's not the way to be right by God. The only way I could be right before God is by Christ alone, believing that Jesus' sacrifice is enough for my sins. And, and of course, we've all heard this, but, but I'll reiterate it again. The whole idea that it is uh, when Jesus paid the price for my sin, when Jesus paid the price for my sin, it is completely paid. It is completely covered. It is completely, there is nothing that I still owe to God. There is nothing that I still owe to God. He paid it completely. There is no debt that I have to the Father. And, and, and what I mean by that is that there is, there is nothing that the Father is looking at me and saying, your salvation is incomplete. Do these works and therefore you will get into heaven. No, that's not it. The only reason, if anyone was to ask me, why do you have confidence that you are going to heaven? I need to simply give them one answer. One answer, not many, one answer. And that answer needs to be because Jesus Christ paid the price for my sins. Because Jesus went to the Father and what I could not pay in that the price of sin is death. Jesus paid that entire price 
for me. So I'm not supposed to pay death in any way. I'm not supposed to die as a consequence of my sin in any way because all that consequence was placed on Christ alone. You see, a gospel of works, what it has at its core, what it has at its center is selfishness. What it has as its center is pride. A gospel of works says that, yes, Jesus Christ saved me from my past sins. Jesus Christ saved me from my sins today. But, but, but you know what? I still need to keep up the good works so that Jesus Christ can save me for tomorrow. And, and what that is, is that you are con combining um, salvation through faith and salvation by works. You are mincing them together. And what you are doing is you are having this unsure salvation. But if you know that it is by the grace of Christ alone, you stand before Christ and you say, well, you know what? I am saved completely at this moment and forever. Why? Because Christ Jesus paid the price for my sin. I am not confused. I am not, I, 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 I am not feeling like there's anything missing in my salvation. It is complete. It is done. He has done it for me. I don't need uh, anything else. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, in just a few days, I'm going to post another one just going on and, and just more and more and more and more on this book of Galatians. But the idea that I want to leave with you is get determined to know what the gospel is. And, and I know that most people come out and say, yeah, I know the gospel, but do you? And do you really understand it? It's simple. It's not hard. I'm, I'm not saying that it's, it's some difficult thing. But I think a lot of times what we do is we mince the gospel together with other things. We, we combine it. Uh, and there is this mixture of grace and, and this mixture of good works. There, 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 there is this expectation that, that I will be saved by my good works. So I keep up good works to be saved instead of keep up good works because I am saved. And that, that's a huge, a huge difference um, in our understanding of what the gospel is. And I want to tell you that if the gospel that you are hearing is still the gospel of the Judaizers, if the gospel that you are observing is still the gospel of the guys saying, hey, you need to first, uh, you, you need to combine these two things, good works and, 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 and grace, I mean, you can't throw away good works. Uh, and nobody's saying throw away good works. Do not misunderstand that. But you, you, can't, you can't just rely on grace for salvation. You have to have a mixture of good works. And isn't that what we are experiencing or a lot of what we are hearing even today? And I want to tell you, you are saved by grace alone. By grace alone. The reformers said this. They said, sola fide, which means by faith alone. Sola gratia, which means by grace alone. Sola scriptura, which means scripture alone, right? Sola Christi, and that means Christ alone. And sola Dio gloria, which means only for the glory of God. And that is, that, that is the tenets at that moment when God um, started to, I would say, if you would, uh, renew his church back 
to what the gospel truly is and uh, whether really the Protestant movement comes from. The whole idea that we are saved not by our merits, not by our good works, but we are saved by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. Man, if you get that, um, I hope that this blessed you. I hope that you are starting to look in your life and see as well where you are mixing things and you're thinking that uh, I have to do some good works so that I am right before God. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The book of Romans actually puts it this way. He says that now a righteousness of God has been revealed. And he says it is not that which comes through the law, but he says that it is that, a righteousness that comes from faith. And he says it is revealed. It starts with faith. It ends with faith. It's from faith to faith. That, that, that's, that's so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And that is what God wants you to have, a righteousness that is built solely on faith. And I want to tell you that when you start believing this, that even if you, if you err and fall, even when you struggle with sin, it does not take you back to a place where you are thinking, you know what, I've lost my salvation or I, I'm, I'm just in a bad place. Uh, God, God might not even want me back. But it is to have such confidence in the gospel. That's the thing that will bring you back. That's the thing that will bring you back. And if you're in a dark place right now, even when you're listening to me and you're just caught up in sin, I want to tell you something. The thing that will bring you back is by realizing what the gospel is. When you understand that it is not by your merits, that it is Christ alone, there, there is something about that gospel that totally changes everything. In the book of Romans, Paul puts it this way. He says that for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I tell you, once you hear that, it is the power of God unto salvation, unto freedom from sin. And really, that, that, that declaration of the gospel in your life will set you free from all that the bondage that you may have to sin. All right, I'm going to close it here. And then, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to record another one, actually, right after this. But, of course, uh, for this episode, I'm going to close it here. And I'll probably upload another. Uh, and it'll probably get to you the next day after this one gets to you. So, nonetheless, man, just know that I love you. Know that God loves you. Know that he has saved you by grace alone. By grace alone. That it has nothing to do, nothing to do with your good works that his salvation is totally encapsulated in you saying, I believe. And when you say, I believe, you are saved. That's it. That's it. That's it. And the good works come to show that your faith was actually genuine. That's what James says, that the good works are actually like a litmus test to you to tell you that your faith was actually accurate. Matt, I hope that this blessed you. Let me close it here um, and then get into this next one. I hope that God uh, does a miraculous work in you. And I pray that this becomes something that becomes a center and a tenant for your life. God bless you.